and in the blink of an eye, a world that seemed quite familiar is now unrecognizable. Foundations have splintered, nations battered, people polarized. You face a world that appears to be falling apart, and life's what-ifs have become why-me's. The thought, I thought I would never have seen the day, has already come and gone. Yet God whispers, I am with you always. I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth and the final week of our series entitled In Theos. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? Yes. You know, we're finishing up. We've been teaching all month on the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you have not been at one of these messages, you can always go online and download that to be able to catch up. We've been talking about the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And I said this week one, I said, life is hard enough on its own. I cannot even imagine living life without God's help. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit of God is not way out there for the believer, but lives, lives in our heart, in theos. It's actually taken from two Greek words, the Greek word en, en, which is translated in English in, and theos, which means God. How many of y'all grateful that God by his spirit lives on the inside of us? Come on. Man, I'm so grateful. So here's what we've been doing. We've been talking about, even the last few weeks, I've talked about our relationship with the Holy Spirit from three different prepositions. Number one, I said that there is the Greek preposition para, P-A-R-A, and that actually is translated in English, and it means with. And here's what I said. The first level of relationship that the Holy Spirit has with all of mankind, by the way, not just with Christians. Here it is. You guys ready? Again, I want to say it. Every single person on this planet in every generation has this level of relationship with the Holy Spirit. I didn't say the Holy Spirit lives in everyone. Now, everybody's made in the image of God. But the Holy Spirit is not living in everyone. But here's what the Holy Spirit is doing. If people do not know Christ, the Holy Spirit, para, everybody say para. He's with them, convicting them of their need for Christ. And here's what he's doing. You guys remember what it was like before you knew Christ? The Holy Spirit of God, he was drawing them. He's wooing them. The Bible actually says this. No one can come to the Father lest the Spirit draws him. So the very first level of relationship that the Holy Spirit has with all of humanity is this. He's with them, drawing them to Christ. Number two, I said last week, and I'll say it again, when you place your faith in Christ, when you trust Christ as your Savior, here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit moves from just this, drawing you to Christ. Now the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. The Greek word is not para there. It is now in, E-N. It's where we get our message title from, our sermon series, in theos. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. Paul, the apostle last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's what he says. 
He says, do you not know that your body... Now, think about this thought. This is a revolutionary thought, all right? Uh, to be a Christian doesn't mean that your sins are just forgiven. Obviously, that's important. That's the start. You place your faith in Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You've been redeemed. All those biblical terms are good and right. However, you also receive a gift. The Spirit of God comes to live in your heart as a follower of Jesus. And that's why, listen, that's why when you pray and you're struggling and you're like, oh God, give me peace, what is that? It's the Spirit of God inside of you flooding your heart with peace. God, should I take this job? Should I not take this job? What should I do? Should I do this? And you pray and you say, God, give me direction. I'm so grateful that we have a heavenly GPS on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all are grateful for the Spirit of God? So you and I have not been left as orphans. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. So here it is. Again, threefold relationship. Number one, all of humanity, the Holy Spirit is drawing them. He's talking. He's drawing people to Christ. When they come to Christ, the Holy Spirit moves from just with people to living in them. Today, I want to talk to you about the third and final preposition, and it defines a relationship that we also can have with the Holy Spirit as a believer. It's not when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us when we get born again, but it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, anoints us, is poured out on us. All of these terms are analogous terms in the New Testament. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, coming upon of the Spirit, the pouring out of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. All of these terms define the same thing. And it's when the Holy Spirit not comes within a Christian when they're born again, but comes upon a Christian to empower them. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit do that? First Corinthians, actually, let me read this. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want every campus to hear what I'm about to say. Christianity is not just us mentally ascribing, subscribing, mentally ascending, whatever you want to say. It's not just mentally ascending to certain beliefs. And we do have beliefs. Matter of fact, you can go online. You can look at our core values, our belief statements, our theological beliefs. So we have all of that. Christianity is just more, it's more than that. It's more than just an intellectual ascending to beliefs. It's an experiential, transformational experience that we have with the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can feel the Holy Spirit. You can sense the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. This is such a powerful scripture. Here's what he says to his disciples. You guys ready? Remember, everybody say para. That's with. In, that's in. Here's the third one. Epe. Epe. Everyone say epe. What does that mean? In English, it means coming upon. Here it is. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Third relationship that all of us can experience with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, here's what he said, right before the divine, the divine ascension. But you shall receive, what's that next word? Say it. Power. The word power is actually the Greek word dunamis. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound familiar? It's where we get the English word dynamite. You shall receive, here it is, dynamite power. That's not just intellectual stimulation. 
In other words, when you give your heart to Christ and you cry out to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Jesus said it himself. Here's what he said. But you shall receive power. When? When does that happen? When the Holy Spirit comes epe upon you. I don't know about you, but I, I listen, I am so grateful that the Spirit of God not only wants to come to live inside of me, but the Spirit of God wants to come upon me, anointing me, anointing you, filling you, pouring out upon you. The Spirit of God, the experience where you can sense the dynamic power, the dunamis power of God. Now, today I want to talk to you about Pastor Steve. How do I experience this relationship with the Holy Spirit? Maybe some of you, you've walked with God for a long time, and maybe you said, well, Pastor, you know, I mean, 20 or 30 years ago, I experienced, that, I experienced that fire. I could feel the Holy Spirit, but something has waned in my life. Today, I want to talk to you about how you and I can daily experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and infilling of the Holy Spirit. But there's a purpose a lot of people don't understand, what is the purpose, Pastor? Why do I need this coming upon? I mean, if the Spirit of God lives within me, if I'm going to heaven, if my sins have been forgiven, why do I need this extra measure? Why do I need to be anointed by the Spirit? Well, because it's another part of that verse. Let me read verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why is that? What is the purpose for the power? So that you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's what Jesus said. Everybody look up here. This is important. He said, I'm about to send you out among the Romans. I'm going to send you out among Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus. These were all Jewish now believers in Jesus. They're Messianic Jews. They believed in the Messiah. These disciples, he says, guys, I'm giving you my message. And not only am I giving you my message, but I'm not just giving you my message, but I'm plugging you into a power. Matter of fact, when people persecute you for the gospel and, and they tell you to be quiet, you can't preach the Christ, and I, I'm giving you power to be a witness. And as long as you have a pulse, let me just say this, every single person, as long as you have a pulse, you still have a purpose in God. And part of your purpose is to be a witness for Christ. God never intended for you and I to live the Christian life and to be a witness for Christ in our own strength. It's not our human ability. It's not your ingenuity. It's not your networking skills. All those are great. But you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. In my life. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon my life. And Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the purpose of being a witness for Christ. Now, why is that so important? I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. Today, we actually are celebrating in the Christian calendar the day of Pentecost. What does that mean, Pastor Steve? Well, originally, Pentecost was a season. In the Jewish world, in the Jewish culture, they had different feasts. And matter of fact, this time, Pentecost was a, was, a, was a festival where people, all the Jewish people would come all around the world, and they would come to Jerusalem in the, in the Near Eastern world. So for the Christian... Let me back up. For the Christian, why is this season so important? Okay, little history lesson. Jesus died and was crucified on good what? Come on, y'all stay with me. He died on when? Good? Okay, good Friday. Now, day one. Day two, all right, holy Saturday. Day three, here it is. Day three 
is Resurrection Day, all right? We would call that Easter, Resurrection Day. Now, why is that important? The Bible calls it the first day of the week. Why is Sunday the first day of the week? You're going to see it here in a second. Because for Jewish people, remember, the holy day for Jewish people is Saturday. We would call it the Sabbath. They would call it Shabbat, all right? So the first day, I've been in Israel during over a weekend. So Saturday, nothing's happening. Actually, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. Sunday morning, whew, it's a day of commerce. Like for us, it's Monday. Jewish people, it's Saturday. So in the Bible, the first day of the week, this is important, is actually a Sunday. Now, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He was raised from the dead on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Question, where were the disciples on Sunday morning? Where were they? I'll tell you where they were. The Bible says in John chapter 20, all of the disciples, Jesus is crucified on Friday, Saturday, they're freaking out. It's like, our leader's been crucified. He's dead. Sunday morning, they don't know this yet. There's some ladies that went to the tomb. They're like, he's alive. An angel tells them that. Let me tell you where the disciples were. You guys ready for this? Here's where the disciples were. You can read this in John chapter 20. I'm going to open it in just a moment. You know what they're doing? Here's what they're doing on the first day of the week on resurrection morning. Here's what they're doing. They're all huddled up in Jerusalem in fear because of Jewish people. They're scared. Oh my gosh, their leader's dead. They don't realize that he's alive. And all of a sudden, this is powerful. I love the Bible. All of a sudden, John chapter 20, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Watch this. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up and all of these Jewish believers in Jesus, the disciples, all right? Now there's 11. Judas is no longer part of the group. They're all hiding out and Jesus appears. And Jesus looks at him and they're like freaking out. They're like, is that Jesus? And he's like, it's me. Hey guys, it's me. This is in John chapter 20. We're going to open in just a moment. And he says, look at it. Look, look at me. Look at my hands. Do you remember that's when doubting Thomas came? I'm not going to believe it unless I can touch it. He said, come touch my hands, Thomas. All right. Come on, Thomas. Come on over here, Thomas. Come on down. Okay. Notice it wasn't doubting Steve. All right. Here we go. Just thought I'd just throw that in there extra. So he looks at the disciples and here's what he says, because he knows the world that they're getting ready to walk into. All right. And he knows the world they're in. And here's what he says. John chapter 20. And when he said this to them, he breathed. Everyone say breathed. He went, and breathed on them and said these next four words. These are so, these are historic. All right? Now remember this. Remember this. The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not live in human beings. He came upon prophets and priests and kings. This is the first time all the way back since the garden when Adam and Eve were created and God breathed in them and made them living beings. But they lost the spirit. Why? Because of their sin. Sin would, the Spirit would only come upon people in the Old Testament. And now all of a sudden, here it is. Here it is, John chapter 20, verse 22. Next four words. All campuses at the count of three. Let's read these next four words. You guys ready? One, two, three. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed that into them. In a sense, the disciples were born again at that moment. The Spirit of God came to live in the hearts of of these men. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God that was with them, John chapter 16, now came in them. 
Christ was resurrected. He was crucified and he was resurrected. The first Sunday received the Holy Spirit. Watch this. The Holy Spirit was no longer just with them. The Holy Spirit now comes to live in them. Wow. Pastor Steve, why is this so important? The reason why it's so important is this was a revolutionary moment for them. This was the promise of the Father. This was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Question. Question. Did you ever realize that as a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? That's revolutionary for a person. You're not operating the Christian life out of your own strength. It's not your willpower, sir. It's God's Spirit on the inside of you. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this so important? If the Holy Spirit was in the hearts of these disciples, then why 40 days later on the Mount of Olives did Jesus tell them to go wait in Jerusalem until they're endued with the Holy Spirit from on high? Why? If they received the Holy Spirit in John 20, 40 days after this, not 50, but 40 days after this moment, he's on the Mount of Olives in Acts chapter 1. And he tells the disciples, he says, guys, I want you to go down to Jerusalem. I've been in this very place on the Mount of Olives. You overlook the city of Jerusalem. It's powerful. He said, guys, I want you to go wait down there because, because let me tell you something. You're going into a very dark world and you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. The same Holy Spirit he breathed into them in John chapter 20. 40 days later, he says, go wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened 10 days after. Why is that? Why did they need more? It's really interesting. I've had a lot of discussions over the last 30 years being a Christian. And there's often two schools of thought. One of which is you'll have some Christians that will say this. They'll say, well, pastor, I know that, or Steve, whatever. I know that when you get saved, and this is a school of thought, you've got everything that you need. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and you don't ever need anything else. You don't have to cry out for anything else. It's the Spirit of God is there, and that's what one group. Another group would say that when you get saved, yeah, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, but really, you don't really have the Holy Spirit. This group says you have the Spirit. Don't ask for anything else. This group says you really don't have the Spirit until you operate and the gifts of the Spirit. And so, Pastor, which group is true? Which one is correct? I think they're both right, and I think they're both wrong. I think that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, and you can't get any more saved than saved. But how many know that when you go throughout life, you don't get re-saved, but you get refilled with power when you ask the Holy Spirit to come upon your life? Jesus told the disciples on the Mount of Olives, he told them, Acts chapter 1, he says, go wait in the city. Why? Go down there. Go tarry. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is a different experience. It's not just the Holy Spirit coming within them. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes within you. When you cry out for the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes upon you, not just in you. You become a Christian, the Spirit comes within you. You become an effective witness for Christ, the Spirit needs to come upon you. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized. Everyone say baptized. With the Holy Spirit. Many days from now, the word baptized actually means to be immersed. To be immersed. That's why we believe in believer's baptism around here. 
When you are baptized in water, we baptize people once a month. We baptize, you go under the water. Why do you do that, Pastor? The Bible says, Peter on the day of Pentecost says, believe and be baptized. What is the prerequisite for being baptized in water is the ability to believe, to trust Christ as your Savior. Well, the same word for baptized fully immersed in water, it's to be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Question. Since you've become a Christian, have you been fully immersed in the Holy Spirit? Has the Spirit of God come epe upon you? That's my question. You know, it's interesting. He told these disciples to go and wait. I can imagine what they were walking, and some of them probably said this to themselves. All right, now this is called theological conjecture, all right? Don't write me an email. I won't read it anyway. All right, here we go. All right. I bet you they're walking going, did we like get the Holy Spirit or not? Nathaniel, come over here. You're the purest one in the group. Jesus said that. Come over here, Nathaniel. Did we like get the Holy Spirit? Like, like I thought he breathed it in us. Like, so did we get it or did we not get it? The answer is yes, you got him, the Holy Spirit. But obviously there's another coming upon because there's a big world out there. So we need fresh power upon our lives. It's not about coming in us. It's about coming upon us. Just be quiet. Let's just go down there and pray. Now, I know for some of you guys, maybe you've not heard this before. Maybe you've not read the scripture this way before. I'm reading it clear. All right, Acts chapter 2. What happens the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, which we are celebrating this weekend. It's Pentecost weekend. Christians all around the world, they're celebrating it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So now they've gone, they've prayed. So he's crucified on Friday. He's raised from the dead on Sunday. He breathes the Holy Spirit into them. 40 days after that ascension, Acts chapter 1, go wait in the city of Jerusalem. They're praying. They're crying out. 10 days later, boom, fulfilled right here. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. What does that mean, fully come? Again, there's many Jewish feasts, three big feasts. By the way, when all the Jewish people would come to Jerusalem, I believe God is smarter than us. I know he is. And God planned this whole thing where all these Jewish people would be in Jerusalem. It's like Mardi Gras for them, seriously. All these people would come all through. It's a little holier than Mardi Gras, I'd like to add, but anyway. And so all these people would be gathering in Jerusalem that day, and that was the day that God chose to pour out his spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire. And one sat upon each of them. So there's these tongues of fire on them. And they're all filled. Everyone say filled. They're all filled. Remember, baptism, filled, anointed, poured out. All analogous terms in the New Testament describing one experience, the Spirit of God coming upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. I think it's pretty ironic that the very first preacher of the New Testament church, that day the church was born. There was, they, were, there was, they were believers, they were baptized in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think it's pretty ironic. The very first preacher of the New Testament was Peter. Don't you think that's pretty strange, guys? Think about that. For 50 days prior, he's denying Christ. 
Jesus chose a denier. Listen, he denied Christ when the little peasant girl came to him when he was at Caiaphas' house. He denied Christ 50 days after that, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He stand up and boldly proclaimed Christ. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit can't change somebody. The Holy Spirit took an insecure, loud, obnoxious man that was riddled with insecurity. God filled him with power and made him the first preacher of the New Testament. Let me tell you something. God will, listen, God will transform your insecurity into boldness and courage. God will transform your feelings of worthlessness, your feelings of inadequacy. Let me tell you, one touch from the master's hand. God will fill you with this power and he will transform your life. And he will raise you up as a sign and a wonder to an unbelieving generation. Let me tell you, somebody said something. Somebody said something one time. I said, Steve, we can't believe you're a Christian. We know what you were like. How many of you know I didn't transform myself, but God transformed me and filled me with his spirit? It's God, the Holy Spirit, that does the work. Okay, now, why is that so important? I remember that girl, Linda, by the way, in church this weekend was the other girl that led me to Christ. It was two girls, Nicole and Linda, led me to Christ. It's amazing. She was actually in church. She lives in another state. And, and uh, I, um, Linda called my friend Vince and I three months after I became a Christian. Steve, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, what do you mean I need to? I said, I've got, I'm, I've got Jesus. Said, of course, Jesus, by his Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in you. But you need to understand how to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, Wow. And so she took the Bible and she began to show me in the Bible all these different scriptures where Christians needed more. Everyone say more. Not to get more saved, but to get more filled with power for their purpose in the earth. And she began to show me and I began to cry out to God, oh God, fill me with your spirit. You know what my goal in this message is? Is to get you hungry and thirsty for more. To get you crying out to God. So I'm going to ask everybody, I've got about 10 minutes, listen, lay aside all of your preconceived biblical ideas, I'm going to ask you to read the Bible with me to understand what the scripture is teaching. I want to suggest to you today, I want to submit to you today, whatever word you want to say, that as a Christian, you are saved one time, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit one time, you're purchased one time, but there is an experience of being infilled and empowered by the Spirit of God that should happen all throughout your Christian walk. Until you see Jesus face to face and you transform from the, transfer it from this world into the next when you die. Let me read one of the greatest examples of this. And by the way, those same Christians in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, they need to be refilled with the Spirit. How do I know that? Read the Bible. They were persecuted. They lifted their voice said, oh God, fill us. The same ones that got filled in Acts chapter 2 needed to be refilled in Acts chapter 4. Pastor, why is that? Because we leak. They didn't get resaved. They got refilled. That was funny. <laughs> Let me give you another example. It's all throughout the New Testament. Book of Acts. Here it is. Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to a region called Ephesus, and he found people who are believers in Jesus, and he asked them a question. I'm asking you the same question today. I'm asking all of our campuses the same question today. Here we go. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus in finding some disciples. Not the original 12, but disciples. 
disciples. These people were followers of Jesus. They're, they're, they're sold out to Christ. The Holy Spirit lives with This is after the cross. This is after the resurrection. The Spirit is within believers. You cannot confess Christ as Lord without the Holy Spirit living in your heart. Here it is. And he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let me pause there for a moment. If it wasn't possible that a Christian may not walk in the fullness of the Spirit after their conversion, then why would Paul ask that question? Let me say that again. If it wasn't possible for a Christian to maybe not walk in the fullness of the Spirit after they're a Christian. Remember, this wasn't an issue. He didn't say, do you know Christ? He said to disciples, people that knew Jesus, the Spirit of God. He said, did you receive? So there's an experience of being filled with the Spirit. Watch this. So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. I say this respectfully. I say this very gracefully. But there are still sections of the church, the big C church globally, that they don't really talk about the Holy Spirit much. A lot about the Father, a lot about, again, one God, but three distinct persons. How many you know it's God, the Holy Spirit, that's on the earth? It's God, the Holy Spirit, that's convicting you of your need for Christ. It's God, the Holy Spirit, that comes to live in your heart when you get born again. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, that comes upon you, that empowers you to fulfill your purpose in the earth. We ought to talk about the Holy Spirit. Here's what he said. That was good preaching. Thank you for one person. I want to make a suggestion, no, a statement. I'm preaching a lot better than you're clapping. Thank you, sir. God bless you. One believer in church this morning. I'm just joking. Not really. All right, here we go. So he says, we said, we, we don't even know there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying people that should believe on Christ, on him who would come after. That's Jesus Christ. So they were baptized. They were baptized. Let me tell you something. These people were disciples. They had been water baptized. They got a t-shirt. I have decided. They've been through all of Pastor Danny's classes, step one, step two, step seven, step 12. They've been through all the classes, and Paul says, are you walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? So I'm asking you, have you cried out to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Pastor, hold on. You've taught us that it's out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. You've got to compare scripture with scripture. Is this anywhere else in the Bible that Christians, that the Spirit lives within them, that suggests that they should cry out for more of the Spirit. It's all over the Bible. Let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter 4. You get 5. You guys ready? Ephesians chapter 5. Remember, you can't build a doctrine off of one scripture. So I'm going to build a theological context, give you one other one, all right? Ephesians chapter 5. Paul, Paul the apostle, all right, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Guy kind of knew what he was talking about. He says, do not get drunk on wine. Don't do that. You look goofy. You drool. That's another discussion. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be what? What's that next word? Say it. Fill. In the Greek, it's very important language. You guys need to look this up today when you go home. That's called the present active continuous tense. What does that mean? Let me give you a better way to say it. Instead, be continually being filled with the Spirit. Pastor, I got filled with the Spirit in 1972. I can tell. I don't mean to be mean. 
but there's been some leakage. Does that sound rude? I hope I'm not being rude. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in January of 1988. Guess what? I got filled with the Spirit on that Monday after that and the Tuesday after that. Why? Because I need God's power to fulfill God's purpose in my life, to be a witness for Christ. So I want to say to all of you that may be in one camp, being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time experience. Some would say you don't need any more. Some would say it's a one-time experience. It's actually a both and. The Spirit comes within you, but the Spirit comes upon you in 1972. It should come upon you in 1973. It should come upon you in 1974. Why? You need power to fulfill His purpose. Now, let me give you an analogy, and I'll close. You guys ready? Here it is. The best analogy that I can give you is this. Before you come to Christ, here it is. You and I are like this. We're an empty glass. I want everybody online to watch me. All right, watch this. Before you come to Christ, you guys remember how it was, how empty you felt? God, I remember how empty I felt. And we try to fill it with success. We try to fill it with all this stuff. We try to fill, and it doesn't matter. It just gets close to meeting the need, and then it's just like, darn, I'm still empty. You guys remember the lengths that we all went to to try to meet a need that only God's spirit on the inside of us could fulfill? Y'all remember that? And so you come to church, a Bible preaching church, or some friend tells you, or you go to some small group, or you're watching television late at night, and some preacher, whatever, and you trust Christ as your Savior. Here's what happened. God takes this empty heart, and here's what he does. He fills it, watch this, his spirit now comes to live inside of you. Oh, yeah. Now there's a satisfaction that's on the inside of you. Now it's like my sins have been forgiven. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I've re been redeemed by the blood of Christ. My name has been written down in the land. I'm a Christian. I'm going to spend eternity with God. How many are grateful that you're a Christian, that you're a believer in Jesus? Isn't that powerful? It's awesome. Now, now watch this. But now... You go to a church and you hear that, 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 that the, the Spirit-filled life, that you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If the disciples needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if Paul says, I need to be continually being filled, so you begin to cry out, Lord, for more. I'm not getting re-saved, I'm getting refilled. A car is a car is a car is a car. But we're on a long journey called the Christian life. I mean, you need to stop to get refueled. And so now you start crying out and you say, I need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill my heart. And so now the Holy Spirit, watch this. It's not a prayer. It's not a prayer. Watch this. Please don't miss this. I'm putting it all together, the whole series. It's not you're praying to get saved and the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Epe, the Spirit of God is in you. You're a Christian. You can't get any more saved. But you know that your life has meaning. And you want to be a difference maker for the kingdom of God. And you want to operate in the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit. And you want to see things happen around you in your neighborhood and your workplace. And so you start crying out for more. Everyone say more. Oh yeah, that's the prayer of the Christian. More, Lord. More, Lord. And now the Spirit is coming upon. Everyone say upon. Here's the epe. The Spirit of God is coming upon, just like it came up. And now the Spirit is not just in you, but it's coming upon you, and it's flowing out of you. Now it's not just a well for you, but it's becoming a river, and it's flowing into your workplace, into your campus, into your neighborhood. 
All over you, the Spirit of God is flowing. Yeah. Now you're living the Spirit-filled life. You've been anointed by the Spirit. So, Pastor, I, I, I want to I I be anointed by the Spirit. I want to be baptized. I want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Pastor, how does it happen? Let me give you two things, and we'll close. Man, I'm wrapping this series up. I hope this series has helped you guys. I hope your prayer every day, oh God, more, more of your spirit, Lord. Two things. You guys ready? Here it is. This is deep, profound theology. Pastor, how do I get baptized in the spirit? How do I get filled with the spirit? How do I get more of the spirit in my life? All analogous terms. How? Number one, ask. Wasn't that deep? Wasn't that powerful? Ask. Question, how'd you get saved? I'm asking you guys. I'm asking you, how did you get saved? I'll tell you how you got saved. You asked Christ to come into your heart. You believed Romans chapter 10. You believed the Lord Jesus Christ, died on a cross, he was raised from the dead, and you confessed it with your mouth. Ask. Everyone say ask. You gotta believe and you gotta open your mouth. Look what the Bible says, Luke chapter 11. I'm talking about this is a daily prayer. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Pastor Steve, you know, if I pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, like, what, what's going to happen? Is something weird going to happen? Not according to the Bible. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? You think God, if you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, then God's going to give you something else? Not according to the Bible. Look at the next verse. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Ooh, Pastor, I don't know about this, man. People talk about the Holy Spirit. Not according to the, according to the Bible. God's going to give you what you ask for. And look at the next verse, verse 13. If you then being evil, we're humans in our instinct. If we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the what? Say it, the Holy Spirit to those that ask them. I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. All of our campuses, the prayer teams to come forward. Campus pastors can come on stage. Watch this. Everybody say ask. Let me give you the second thing. Receive. Yeah. You've got to receive. Sometimes one of the hardest things to do for Christians is to get them to receive. Because we want to earn it. We want to work real hard. i got to feel worthy enough. Oh gosh, I had a bad attitude last week. And no, no, no. Receiving a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit is by faith. And it's grace. You don't earn it. Now, what you do need to do is you need to cooperate with God. How did you get saved? You believed and you confessed Christ. How do you get filled with the Spirit? You believe and you open your heart. Now, I want to make one qualification. Mankind baptizes mankind into water. We actually hold people in our church and, and, and we dip them in water. We dunk them in water. Okay? I think you guys heard that funny story about that Cajun lady that told me after I was preaching. She said, little Timmy's been real bad. Keep him under a long time. Okay, that doesn't make any difference. Okay? So, so, so human instruments dunk human instruments. People baptize people in water. But Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus that does it. Well, what is a prayer line for? Sometimes we need other people just to pray and join their faith with them. And that's why we have an altar, a prayer line. People up front are not baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. People up front are simply praying with you, whatever your need is. And we've got to believe. And let me tell you this. I had a guy one time says, well, pastor, 
If God, he was in our church. He goes, Pastor, if Jesus wants to fill me with his spirit, then he'll just have to do it himself. And so, you know what that attitude? It's just kind of like this. It's kind of like if you don't feel that you need to cooperate, it's kind of like this. Standing next to that glass of water going, if that water wants it, it's actually Gatorade. I thought I'd just share that. And um, if that Gatorade wants to get in my body, let it happen. You can do this all day long, but you better cooperate and you better go over there and you better drink it. Come on, are y'all with me? That's actually fantastic, Gatorade. That is delicious. I don't know what they put in there, but geez. In the morning time, I go in my backyard. My neighbor comes to my church, by the way. They come to church at the Canyon. The other side, my other neighbor, I'm growing bamboo. Because no, I'm serious. I can't believe I'm telling you all this. And, and because they, I'm, I walk in my backyard, you know, I'm praying. I've got my hands out. And they're like, and, but their windows are like right there. I'm like, I'm like, grow, grow, grow. You know, because bamboo, it takes a while. Why am I telling you all that? I'm trying to get super practical. I go in my, in my backyard this morning. And I put my hands up. Do you have to do that? No. But something about that. And I'll just say that. I'm, I read my Bible and I'll just pray and say, Jesus, this is the very beginning of my prayer life, prayer time. I say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Why? I need the Holy Spirit to help me pray. I need the Holy Spirit's power to move through me. Not because I'm a preacher. It's because I'm a Christian. <sighs> Please hear me on this. And I'll just put my hands out. I'm just going to ask you if you feel comfortable just putting your hands out right now all of our campuses. And, I'll, and I pray a prayer like this. I say, Jesus, can you just say that with me? Say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. And then when I do that, I then begin to lift my voice and I begin to pray. I begin to cry out to God. I, I release God's presence and his power. I pray in the spirit. I allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me. I, I just say, Lord, and I just, and remember, how did you get saved? Your heart and your mouth had to cooperate. You had to confess Christ the Lord. How do you get filled with the Spirit? Your mouth and your heart have to cooperate. They have to cooperate. And you open your mouth and you let God fill. And, and you, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. And I just, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I just, sometimes I'll start, I just kind of tear up a little bit. I sense the Holy Spirit. So, sometimes I'll feel the joy of the Lord so strong I'll just, I'll just feel. And now, now, why is that? Let me give you a Bible scripture. John chapter 7, Jesus said, out of your belly. Everyone say belly. Okay, that's in the Bible. I didn't put it there. It's in red. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then sometimes I'll just, I'll just begin to just, Lord Jesus, and begin to sing to the Lord. And I just pray. And the Holy Spirit begins. It's just such a beautiful thing. And so I want you to say again, say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. So Pastor Doug, I'm going to ask you to come right now. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take two minutes, and then Pastor Doug's going to release you. Anybody that needs prayer, we want you to come forward. But we're going to sing this song. Two minutes, we're going to release everybody. Or you can linger for 10 or 20. I'm going to walk off the stage. But it's a song about the Holy Spirit. We want to, we want to get you accustomed. Just, Holy Spirit, come. That's such a beautiful just say, Holy Spirit, come. 
What are you doing? What are you, you're not getting saved. You're being filled with the presence of God. Pastor Doug, if you just... What an amazing message. Yeah. And if you just made a decision to follow Jesus today, we want to tell you congratulations. It's the best decision that you're ever going to make. And we're celebrating with you. Yeah, today you are made new, you're set free, and you're forgiven. Yes. And we are excited to walk alongside you in this journey of following Jesus. Yes, there's a link on the screen or in the chat. So just click that and fill out the short form because we'd love to hear more of your story and point you towards more resources as you begin this journey. And before we say goodbye for now, we do wanna make sure that you know about our brand new series starting next weekend called Road Trip. So I have a question for you. Does navigating relationships in your life take work? Do you find yourself facing challenges and conflict with your friends, your family, and your coworkers? If so, come to church next weekend as Pastor Steve talks about how we can navigate the challenges in all of our relationships in our lives and really win. So you don't wanna miss it. Be sure to invite a friend to join you. We'll see you next week.